0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. This
1: is WIA National News, a week commencing May the 8th, 2016. Good morning, I'm Robert, VK3DN.
2: And I'm Brian, VK3GR. Good morning, Robert, and welcome back again, listeners. As we mentioned last week, we are looking after the broadcast this month while Graham's away. I don't know about you, Brian,
1: but life doesn't slow down. We've been busy over the last week getting things ready in preparation for the upcoming AGM meeting in Norfolk Island. How about you? How are things travelling
2: in your world? Uh, Yes, and we've got something about the uh, Norfolk Island AGM coming up in a sec. Uh, I've also been busy, Rob. uh, Took a new job and uh, working with a lot of uh, technologies that I haven't uh, touched before, which is pretty exciting. I'm in IT, as you know, and uh, I've gone from sort of a commercial setting to something more education, so... Got a lot of PhD students and professors and all sorts of stuff around all the time. So uh, yeah, really uh, pretty awesome place to be. And uh, at home, uh, got a new barbecue, which I just cannot stop cooking on. Uh, and uh, yeah, this slight change of life and jumping on the train to work and these other things has uh, you know, changed the work-life balance, and I'm really enjoying that. Lots of people coming over and uh, you know hosting people at the house. And actually, uh, this coming weekend, while everyone's listening, I'll be up in Sydney.
1: Well, it sounds like we've both been busy. Well, for those who may not be aware, 9th to the 15th of May is National Volunteer Week. Here's Phil Waite, WIA President, VK2ASD,
3: to tell us a bit more about that. The 9th to 15th of May is National Volunteers Week, an annual celebration to acknowledge the generous contribution of volunteers. This year it has a theme of Give Happy, Live Happy – reflecting research that shows that volunteers live happier and healthier lives. Established in 1989, National Volunteer Week celebrates volunteerism in Australia. Think about the many volunteers in the WIA and radio clubs who contribute so much of their time to the running of amateur radio. The countless hours spent delivering numerous WIA member services, including this VK1WIA broadcast, the WIA website and Amateur Radio magazine, just to mention a few. Think of the WIA directors who give their time to the WIA board that heads up a not-insubstantial, not-for-profit company. Recently, the WIA has delivered a submission to the ACMA setting out a reasoned argument for reform of the Amateur Service and our regulations. This was the result of many months of effort by our volunteers. The WIA board is now finalising material for the annual general meeting on Norfolk Island as well as other important matters, again the work of volunteers. When you next look at the list of WIA committees at the back of AR magazine, think about the people that make it all happen. The WIA accredited assessors around Australia provide a free service. Some of them have been doing so for more than a decade, and some after already being involved in other forms of volunteer work. The motivation of our volunteers, shown time and time again, is wanting to put something back into the hobby that they all enjoy. We are very lucky to have them, and on behalf of all of us, thank you. They are part of more than 6 million Australians who volunteer, and we pay honour to them through National Volunteer Week. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, for the WIA.
4: This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with more news on the Institute's submission to the ACMA concerning future amateur licence conditions. Back on the 24th of April, I went over the preamble and then outlined the WIA's proposals for future foundation licence conditions. Today, I'll give a rundown on the proposed standard and advanced license conditions, as promised. At this point, I'd like to reiterate that a key purpose of the submission is to enable greater self-determination for the amateur service and to reduce the burden of regulation on both licensees and the ACMA, or what regulator we get from the outcome of the government's review still underway. And another thing. Many of the proposals in the submission, for all licence grades, are designed to ensure amateur radio remains relevant in the digitally connected age. There's something for everyone in it, existing and prospective licensees alike. So, let me get on with it. Back in 2014, the WIA Board adopted three policy principles in regard to future amateur licencing. One was that future license conditions should not be reduced or downgraded from the current principles embodied in apparatus licensing. This was agreed because no one wants to go backwards, having more restrictions imposed on amateur license conditions. Another was that future license conditions should not limit or hinder experimentation with or adaptation of emerging technologies and applications, particularly digital transmission technologies, including those not yet invent it. The third principle was that future licensing must incorporate flexibility for licensees to pursue their interest in communications technologies and applications as a self-regulating service within the framework of the licensing privileges and conditions. It is these policy principles that are behind the proposals to relax the restrictions on permitted bandwidths for both standard and advanced licensees as well as providing access to more frequency bands for both. In summary then, for standard licensees, the WIA advocates access to more bands between 1.8 and 28 megs, access to the 50 to 52 MHz sector of the 6 meter band, relaxation of permitted bandwidths where practicable on the bands below 1 gigahertz and the same on all bands above 1 GHz to allow use of wideband digital and image modes. Finally, increased power to 200 watts. The WIA advocates strongly for improving the license conditions for standard operators to better match similar license grades in other countries. Recall that the international definition of the amateur service is about quote, self-training, intercommunication and technical investigations, end quote. Improving standard license conditions affords these operators a great range of opportunities for learning and gaining experience, as well as intercommunication with other amateurs. When it comes to advanced licensees, the WIA has recommended to the ACMA that license conditions should represent light touch regulation, balanced with responsible use of the RF spectrum and respect for other stakeholders. The WIA has foreshadowed seeking primary status for 50 to 52 MHz, retention of access to 2300 MHz, plus access to new bands at 70 and 920 MHz, in addition to the new band at 5.3 MHz, 60 meters), brought down at WRC 15 last November. The ITU has made 60 metres available from 1st January 2017. Hence, the WIA has requested access be granted at the earliest available opportunity. There is a means of doing this, which is used by the ACMA in its Australian Radio Frequency Spectrum Plan, permitted by the ITU radio regulations. I won't bore you with chapter and verse on that. Other proposals for advanced operators sought by the WIA include... Relaxation of permitted bandwidths on all bands from 1.8 to 430 megahertz. There have been no restrictions on permitted bandwidths on all bands above 430 megahertz for many years now. Increased power above 400 watts and up to 1000 watts, provided evidence of compliance with the electromagnetic radiation regulations is presented. The WIA submission notes that maximum permitted powers for top level license grades around the world varies widely. From 400 watts up to 3 kilowatts, shown in a table for 32 nations. A dozen nations permit a kilowatt, 11 permit more than that. The submission notes that the median or middle maximum permitted power is 1,250 watts. The WIA set no time frame for achieving changed amateur licence conditions for a very good reason. There's a new Radio Communications Act to be drafted first, which, as everyone paying the least attention would be aware, is currently underway. As the new Act will bring in parameters-based licensing, there's quite a way to go before we get to the nitty-gritty details. The WIA submission on future amateur licence conditions was written to open the conversation with the ACMA. That conversation began with a strategic meeting between the WIA and the ACMA on the 12th of April last, which you've heard about on the broadcast of 17th April. As reported, the ACMA was impressed with the scope and vision for future amateur licensing set out in the WIA's submission, and indicated that there were few, if any, real impediments to achieving substantive reform to meet the emerging opportunities that will arise from the new Radio Communications Act. However, there will be a lot of work to do, some of which will necessarily involve advice from the ACMA's engineering branch. To progress the WIA's proposals on licence conditions and frequency bands, the ACMA suggested that we meet again around August-September, when more will be known about the shape of things to come with the new Radio Communications Act and the Australian Radio Frequency Spectrum Plan update, soon to commence public consultation. I urge you, if you haven't done so, go to the WIA website, download the submission and read it for yourself right through. Some critics haven't even done that yet. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
2: And now the WIA AGM on Norfolk Island. Those attending the Wireless Institute of Australia Annual General Meeting on Norfolk Island, May 27, 28 and 29, have loads of planned and other activities ahead of them. In all, about 100 will be there via Sydney and Brisbane, and the locals have been preparing for the influx. An advance party will make final checks for the event, billed as the largest de-expedition of its type. They're expected to set up a UHF voice repeater for handheld radio communication and, of course, kick off the Norfolk Island Award. Also to be launched is a high-altitude Pico balloon transmitting a greeting message to the WIA AGM. There will be a traditional Friday evening get-together, followed by the WIA Annual General Meeting and, as always, the lively Members Forum on Saturday. A tour for partners has been arranged through the local tourist centre. WIA to Honour
1: Assessors Achieving 10 Years of Service The WIA exam service introduced its trained and accredited assessors more than a decade ago, at a time when the foundation licence began. This was the last plank in the three-tiered qualification system for amateurs in Australia, which also had the standard and advanced licences. At the WIA Annual General Meeting in Canberra 2015, the WIA marked the 10-year milestone by honouring those assessors who had given a decade of service. In May 2016, as part of the WIA AGM in Norfolk Island, it will again honour and thank the second batch of accredited assessors now achieving this milestone. All 39 will be named, thanked for being a key part of the exam service and given a certificate to
0: signify their 10 years of service. The WIA website contains a lot of useful information that can be accessed 24-7. Thank you to those who've recently sent suggestions or found a typo or two. Try the Frequently Asked Questions section, or if you can't easily find what you're looking for, then use the friendly Search website function. Yes, the search box is your friend. To renew your membership, change any details, enable greater access, then please do register for MemNet. Are you correctly listed on MemNet? Check it out now.
2: Discussion point. Amateur radio has many different modes. When you think about the modes now available, they go far beyond the traditional CW and SSB and include clever, weak signal software to get the message through even below the noise floor. The mind boggles at the modern radio amateur that uses these modes, let alone digitization or software-defined radio techniques. There's a variety of voice, text, image, and data communications modes, often harnessing the computing power of other devices via a sound card. Digital voice modes encode speech into a data stream before transmitting it, including APCO P25, D-Star, DMR, System Fusion, C4FM, FreeDV, and more. As the technology is embraced and maybe some disposal equipment falls into the hands of radio amateurs, it's beginning to make inroads. Image modes have either been video or still images and have been digitised for fast scan television and slow scan or SSTV. Then there are the text and data modes that use an existing transceiver coupled to a PC and software via an interface. This is modern amateur radio and it takes us beyond just an analog voice or morse code means of communication. There's nothing wrong with many still sticking to those older modes. We must all share the same bands and because you can't hear or understand the transmission doesn't mean the digital frequency is clear or that an intruder is on the band. Hello I'm Jeff Emery
5: BK4ZPP and I've been thinking who can you trust these days? I mean We've been seeing a great electronic expansion in Australia and it has spawned a great big business to shift the photons and electrons into our homes. Yes, we're in the era of the NBN and I have embraced it. Well, I'm not the effusive type but I did register for notice that this new service was available in my area. I'm waiting for their email. A week or so ago we were browsing the shopping mall and. The signage outside the former national telephone provider called us inside as the great internet service was there for the taking. I'd been keeping an eye on the service which we were to be given and we have a variable timetable for its switch on for maybe a year or more. I had the information that our locality would receive fixed wireless and have emails seeking details of the equipment requirements to this end. The first thing that the consultant got was our postal address. She came back from the computer, went to the printer and arrived looking puzzled. The advice from the NBN, the first knowledge we had, was that we were to receive service by satellite. Sadly, the rural-themed SkyMaster service was not available from that vendor. Skymuster went on air at the end of April and the resellers could sign you up from them. I feel like the proverbial mushroom kept in the dark and fed you-know-what. I mean, you follow the prompts and wait to hear from them, and you still have to find out from another source. Just who can you trust?
1: I'm Jeff Emery, and that's what I think. How about you? International news with thanks to the IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. JARL 90, a celebration. The Japan Amateur Radio League, the JARL, is having its 90th birthday and now is a good time to contact that country. Centrepiece is the JIRL 90th Anniversary Award. Struck by this proud and active IARU member society, it ends on December the 31st. Among the qualifying special event stations that may count as nine points each are more than 25 call signs with the 8J prefix. For more information in the English language, check out the URL in the text
2: edition of this WIA broadcast. Germany and Chile to hear about MCOM. The Friedrichshafen Hamfest in Germany on June 24-26 is to have an IARU Region 1 session about radio amateurs involved in emergency communications around the world. Informations being gathered by IARU Region 1 Emergency Communications Coordinator Greg Mossop G0DUB, and Friedrichshafen undoubtedly is the biggest and best event for hams in Europe. Meantime, the International Amateur Radio Union Region 2 that covers the Americas and surrounds will hold an emergency communications workshop in Chile this October. That will be at the 19th IARU Region 2 General Assembly. The aims of both events is to network and share information on the capabilities of radio amateurs when reacting to disasters. Newham at Mount Athos. For years, Monk Apollo, SV2ASP-A, has been the only amateur radio operator from the monastery. However, this past week, news came out that Monk Yakovos, who lives in the Holy Monastery on Mount Athos, has received his radio amateur training and then his SV2RSG license from the Ministry of Telecommunications. Reports include that Monk Yakovos has been on forty meters seven one four one kilohertz on SSB using a vertical antenna and he does operate CW QSL via SV one RP. Workshops wanted for EMF twenty sixteen. Electromagnetic
1: field EMF twenty sixteen will take place from the fifth to the seventh of August near Guildford, Surrey. It's a UK camping festival for those with an inquisitive mind or an interest in making things aimed at hackers, artists, geeks, crafters, scientists and engineers. The organisers are looking for talks and workshops for the festival and they are especially keen to hear from people with different backgrounds from what one would expect to find at a technology conference. The London Hackerspace Amateur Radio Club is planning to erect at least one of their Clark masts in the village, showcasing amateur radio on 3.5 MHz to 430 MHz and maybe higher. Further information is online
2: in the text edition in this news service. A singular solar achievement. A tale of hope for hassled, harried hams. You can't outsmart the sun, and you certainly can't outshine it that some radio amateurs in India recently had their moment in the sun during their national field day, held by the Amateur Radio Society of India. Camped out on a hilltop in the Turahali forest, this group from Bengaluru was looking to go the distance, wherever that distance might take them. It didn't look like that was going to be very far, however. Conditions were not the greatest. They were marred by strong solar flares, making HF contacts extra challenging or practically non-existent. To add to that, the operators found the midday sun to be brutally hot and blistering. And then contact. Operator, Madhu Prasad, operating station, VU3NPI, contacted on 21 MHz the Hong Kong station, VR2XMT. It was enough. More than enough, signal reports and call signs were exchanged, and the moment became one of the brightest spots during the 24-hour period. Prasad told the Bangalore Mirror, quote, Within a minute of the rig going alive, we could establish contact, end quote. Among his colleagues in the Bangalore Amateur Radio Club, Antarctica is the farthest anyone has contacted on their rigs. But Hong Kong, under tough conditions, still proved to be a shining moment. And VU3NPI enjoyed his field day moment in the sun after all.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au And here is this week's weird and wonderful story. A QSL
6: card that ended up in the hands of Jane Walton in the UK in late February had to cross not just one ocean, but two generations before reaching her. It belonged to a British radio amateur, Clifton Trevor Malkin, sign G5IV. Clifton was Jane's grandfather, and though Jane is not a ham and had never had a QSL with her grandpa, she always kept fond memories of him in his shack when she was a child in Yorkshire. She would hear him make contacts around the world via radio from Barnsley and was charmed by its magic. Two months ago, some magic happened again, but in a different way. Feeling nostalgic, Jane decided to type her grandfather's call sign in the Google search engine and one of the responses that came up was an eBay listing which said QSL card ham radio card and the call sign was G5 IV the card had been posted to the US long ago from Barnsley following a successful QSO in 1939 now the American seller was asking $6.50 for G5 IV's card Jane bid on the item, and now, some 77 years later, the card is back home to where it all began. The Barnsley Chronicle carried the story of Jane Walton and her reunion with the QSL card in its April 1st edition, creating perhaps the impression that it was one of those April Fool's Tales that makes its way into the public domain this time of year. But indeed, the offering of the card can still be found on eBay in the inventory of e- the eBay seller Anne's Books and Stuff. The seller, not surprisingly, has a number of other vintage QSL cards from around the world. But Jane Walton has the only one she'll ever want. It's a piece of her childhood come back home. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH in Nottingham, in the UK. And now to Operational News
1: 2016. The ten ten International Summer Contest is on August 6th and 7th. The Remembrance Day, or the RD Contest, is on August 13th and 14th. And the 36 Alara Contest is on the last full weekend in August, August 27th and 28th.
7: I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, broadcast monitoring SWL and Scanner News. Is broadcast radio doomed? James Keilis writes in Radio World that the BBC is preparing for an internet-only world for broadcasting. He says, conventional radio and television broadcasting are doomed, eventually. Also, one might reasonably assume from reading British Bulk Creative, the BBC's broadcast charter proposal, for the next decade of its mandate. The BBC's 10-year broadcast charter is up for renewal in 2016. The proposal is the Beeb's funding pitch to Parliament. To be sure, the BBC didn't use the word doomed or put a timetable on it. However, over the next 10 years, we will be moving to an internet-fit BBC. To be ready for an internet-only world whenever it comes, states the BBC proposal. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, vk 4 fuq q
1: Intruder Watch Enforcement Zone Interference action against lawnmowers Emerging on the European market and presumably elsewhere are robotic lawnmowers that supposedly do all the work for you while you sip on a cup of tea or perhaps some other beverage. The marketing hype invites you to spend your weekends enjoying a lawn instead of maintaining it by using a robotic lawnmower. Now, the IIRU Swedish Radio Society, SSA, reports that the emissions from a particular model of the robot lawnmower were so high it had to be banned from sale. The Electrical Safety Board found that the unmanned mowing vehicle had a radio noise at 19 decibels above the threshold for interference. It slapped a ban on their sale, and it's now looking at other brands of robotic lawn mowers that are programmable to cut grass for a perfect finish. LED streetlights are worried about RF noise. Imported light-emitting diodes are planned in New Zealand as an energy-saving measure but the regulator Radio Spectrum Management RSM has issued a word of caution. All LED lights should meet the Australian and New Zealand CISPA 15 to ensure that they comply with the radio disturbance or interference characteristics of electrical lighting and similar equipment. RSM has advised all councils that they should stipulate supplying contractors meet those standard requirements and that each light fixture bears a compliant mark. LED lighting can produce severe levels of unwanted RF energy if the circuitry has not been designed properly. The warning advises that the RF noise created by a series of lights may be cumulative given their proximity to each other and their elevator positions. In Australia, the Australian Communications and Media Authority is also busy on the issue, with their peak activity happening when non-compliant LED Christmas lights affect television reception. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ILLW. The ILLW starts to heat up. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend held each August is as popular as ever as it nears 190 registrations of structures that once navigated and protected seagoing mariners. In the lead with the most registrations on 37 is Germany, while others up there include Australia with 27, the USA on 26, England having 14 and Scotland having 12. The Netherlands, Sweden make up some twenty eight countries having registrations so far spreading from Europe, South Africa, Southeast Asia, the Americas, and a few more. The one hundredth registration was the Avery Point Lighthouse, W1QK, in the grounds of the University of Connecticut. What will be the prestigious number two hundred to be registered? If you'd like more information, read the simple guidelines, past activity reports, or register. For August the twentieth and twenty-first, visit the website
2: illw.net. And a quick run through the social scene: twenty sixteen, May twenty-seven to twenty-nine, VK nine WIA AGM this year on Norfolk Island. June three to five, VK four Central Highland social gathering, Teresa Creek Dam. June four, VK four Barkfest, Mount Gravatt Showgrounds. June eleven to thirteen, VK five, VK Fox Hunting Championship, and SCRG Convention, Mount Gambier. July nine and ten, VK three, Tech, twenty sixteen in Churchill, Victoria. August seven, VK six, NCRG Hamfest, nine a.m. Cyril Jackson Community Hall, Ashfield. September twenty three to twenty five, VK four, Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club AGM weekend. Lake Maraboon, Holiday Village near Emerald. September thirtieth to october third, VK four, Cardwell Gathering, Long Weekend, Beachcomber Motel. November sixth, VK five, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest, eight AM. And finally, November twenty sixth, VK seven, Myana Hamfest, that's Saturday the twenty sixth in VK seven. Well that's about it for this week, Brian. Another week of WIA National News, and I hope Graham is enjoying his time off. That's right, Rob. End of another week of news. And thanks again to Graham, and I hope he's having a great time. And we hope all the listeners are having a great week as well. And until we meet again next week, as we say, we report it and you decide.
0: From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service.